Marketing organizations are leveraging the continuing pandemic-related disruptions and accelerated digital transformation efforts as catalysts to reinvent marketing and transform customer experiences for a digital-first consumer. Hello, I'm Wilson Raj, and welcome to this Reimagine Marketing podcast. Today's episode is called Reflections and Projections Season 2. This episode marks the end of Season 2, but not the end of the podcast series. Plans for Season 3 are underway. And I'm excited to be joined by my co-hosts, Stephen Hoffmans and Justin Thang. Hi, guys. Hi, Wilson. Hi, Wilson. Good to see you all. Likewise. Good to see you too. Great to have you on the show. And uh, this is a, a, a great season. We've had a range of guests ranging from very progressive marketing leaders in different industries, everything from telco to CPG. Uh, we had futurists and leading market research leaders weigh in on marketing transformation in today's world and leading into tomorrow. So as we kind of recap this for our audience, uh, just give them a taste of, of season two. Uh, let's start with uh, just some, maybe some highlights that perhaps uh, resonated throughout this, the show. Yeah, okay. For me, um, one that I found interesting was like the 80-20 rule. I learned uh, in the first episode with Sandy, 80-20, it was all over the place. Uh, and actually you can... You can apply that to many things in your life. And she, it was about marketing planning. And she said, you you need to put your plan 80% fixed and you need to give global teams uh, the ability to personalize 20% of the marketing plan. Mm -hmm. Same with personalization, right? You 80% you can personalize to a specific country, but then you still need that 20% to embed the local cult culture and embed that local uh, flavor. And actually that 80-20% rule, you can also adapt to your work. Um, you can spend 80% on your, um, it was in another episode, 80% you can spend on your normal tasks and 20% of your time you can spend on innovation. So it was it was actually very funny that in the first episode with um, Sandy, the, that 80-20% uh, 80 20 percent rule was very important and then later uh, on when we talked about implementing marketing automation uh, solutions globally and and how do you overcome global challenges it was also 80 20 percent so I, I found that that 80 to 80 20 percent rule is actually something very important that you should apply in your daily life all right i love that it's so fascinating that 80 20 here in australia um in our region one of the kind of variations on, I think they call it the Pareto principle, which is 80-20, mm -hmm. right? Is the 70-20-10. And all it is, is they've budged it a little bit, Stephen, and the 10% is left for crazy experiments and testing. And uh, it's just, you know, that's where you just have fun, do make some, take some big risks and see what happens afterwards from the data. For me, one of the things that stood out was Wilson's interview with Ray Wong, and he was talking about data supremacy. I love the idea of data supremacy because it speaks to that competitive advantage. It's true. Whoever owns data is king. It's not just the brand that owns the data, but even at a boardroom level, whoever owns the data and can extract a narrative from that data 
is going to be the most credible voice in the room because everything else would be anecdotal. So Ray Wong talks about the three A's, analytics, automation, and AI. And those three A's to me are like a triple A battery, right? That's what's fueling a lot of growth these days. And uh, I know we're going to talk more later, Wilson, about uh, you know some of the data st- restrictions and challenges. But I mm-hmm. do feel like um, in this coming era of privacy and governance, especially in the marketing arena, uh, analytics and predictive analytics are going to be critical. Yeah, I think uh, that particular one with Ray around decision velocity was really critical because uh, his uh, notion was that the gap between the sort of the analog physical world and that digital world is is really meshed, and so how do these interfaces and interactions occur? And basically, you need the analytics and AI to be able to speed value from data to decisions, and then obviously into actions, and then uh, to be able to bridge physical and immersive uh, augmented reality type experiences or, or digitized experiences. So I think uh, that, that was the key thing where uh, the, the brands or the business will need faster, more precise decisioning. Uh, the other thing that, you know, uh, that he also mentioned was around anticipatory analytics. That's, that's an interesting word, which is, I think, certainly a big part of AI because it is predictive. But how do you then not just react or uh, to experiences or fluctuations in customer engagement in real time, but to anticipate moment by moment, not necessarily into a next phase of a customer journey, but in that moment, what is that next moment? What's the next step? What are, what are the next? What are the choices? So he gave an interesting example, which I won't share here. I would, uh, you know, listeners can talk about, hey, how a future elevator ride would look like. So go check that episode out and, and you'll see some of Ray's thinking there. Yeah, that was a great little scenario. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, 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 just to echo that, Wilson, I think in an unpredictable time, we need to put our own predictability back in as much as possible. Mm-hmm. The other one that was particularly interesting was the interview with uh, Scott Brinker. We did two with him uh, around the meshing customer experience with your marketing technology stack there uh, and also around how do you bridge those CX goals with investments in technology? And there were, there's a lot there, but there's one I think I, you know I, I did like where we really tackled the age-old problem around do marketers build technology or buy te- technology or is it integrated and best of breed? Uh, I know, S- Stephen, you had some thoughts there. You know, you've been, yeah. you know, you're in this business. You, know, you talk to customers around those kinds of uh, choices. So what, what's your take on that one? So, so he kept me, when he was talking and explaining his different kind of situation, it, it struck me that on the one hand, when you buy a platform from a vendor and everybody would implement that same platform in a standard way, you won't differentiate on customer experience because everybody's sharing the same experience. So if you want to be top of the market, you need to customize, you need to think about what will that technology mean for you and how you can you use it to your benefits and how can you customize it, do little tweaks, you know, to, to bring that experience. But then the other question is, how much tweaking do you need to do? And then I wondered myself, when mm-hmm. I think the moment you have the feeling that you're becoming an R&D company and that you're becoming a software development company, I think that's that's really the 
the end of the road. I mean, then unless your ambition is to become a software in your a software vendor in your business, I mean, that's 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 where you taken you have taken the road too far. So finding that balance between customizing that makes sense um, to do good customer experience in Excel. But also watching out that you're not becoming an R&D portent, I think it's a very important uh, factor that you need to take into account when when choosing softwares and working in a marketing technology environment. Right. I uh, think that uh, that South African proverb is apt here. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that's certainly been the feedback that I've been hearing, uh, especially out there in the market, where People are able to build specific uh, solutions in-house, and that's great. But the upkeep of it, they tend to go out of date and uh, very, very fast. So as the rest of the world adapts, it's difficult to keep up once the project is closed off and finished. It's very difficult to keep reiterating and making sure that it stays current and continues to work. On the flip side, uh, as you said, Stephen, even if, uh, if if an organization were to buy... Um, there is a certain level of customization that needs to be done anyway. And the question is, which way around do you want to do it? And what is your what what would you like your speed to value to be? I think you raised a good point around IT typically would prefer to build, um, whereas so there's some IP ownership or IT ownership, IT, mm-hmm. IP ownership, uh, whereas the business would probably prefer speed to value. Right. And I think the, you know, the guiding principle, you know, he tried to say, whatever you customize has to be very unique, unique to the organization that only the organization can provide. Uh, because for the most part, a lot of these engagements across industries, across sectors are very, very similar. So, you know, to, to have a thoughtful approach uh, to that. And I, I like that, that proverb because that does link to some of the themes that we saw in, I think, most of the podcasts, which is around collaboration, mm. uh, not just teamwork. I know, Stephen, you had one about the people first. And I definitely want to hear about that. But I think uh, in the Alter Beauty with Kelly Mahoney, in terms of how they were digitizing beauty experiences, it really took not just a marketing team, but an entire stakeholder team ranging from, you know, marketing, sales, service, technology, and brand, loyalty that was all integrated into their ultimate rewards program. And I think Christine Mormon uh, in her CMO survey report, uh, one of the episodes there, she talked about there there were some stats around companies where they had higher levels of collaboration tended to do better in terms of their, their marketing efficiency and effectiveness. Mm. And interbrand collaboration as well, even beyond the organization. Now, you know, as marketers are looking for solutions of what to do once third-party cookies and third-party data disappears entirely, is how can brands who are non-competing share first-party data in a compliant manner? But, um, you know, it's this is nothing new. Uh, you know, Jay Abraham's been talking about this for I think decades calling it the host beneficiary model. And it's just that now we are forced to not be able to use uh, third-party data and everyone's thinking, okay, well, how can we collaborate better and share data? Uh, I think it, mm-hmm. it um, contributes to the whole idea of, of um, you know, if you want to, as a company, become a, a partner of your customer, you actually need to 
go outside, go think outside your box, right? A customer has a dream. He wants to realize something. And actually, maybe the service your company is offering is not enough. So you can actually, by sharing data with third-party providers and maybe building a service together with dirty providers, you're really getting to that. I'm no longer a vendor of that customer, but I'm becoming a partner helping to realize his hopes and dreams. And I think if you can use an ecosystem and really use all the data available to become relevant, I think that that is going to be a massive differentiator for the future. The the, the company that can integrate different kind of external partners in their services using data from all of those kind of providers, offering that ultimate dream customer experience is going to win the market, uh, I believe. I mean, that's my belief for the next coming years. Right. I think that was a, a common theme among all of the, the guests that the centrality of data and is what Ray Wong said it nicely, data supremacy. So, uh, you know, as we move through, what are some of the challenges? I think one of, one of the things uh, mentioned by Geert is, is um, we're, we're looking for synergies within companies, but on the other hand, you need to be able to allow uh, individuality in a company. And what, what, what I mean by that is um, there are always discussions in marketing going on on what do you centralize and what you uh, don't centralize? Who do you leave independent and not independent? And every market has its own ecosystem. So how do you deciding on what is best for the market and the company together to give a global customer experience. I think that's a, a kind of hard challenge as there are many ecosystems out there and, and, and providing value for the customer. I think that's, that's quite a hard nut to crack. Who, where should you collaborate? Should you collaborate local? Should you collaborate global? Should you look for, for um, different kind of services? I think it's a, it, it's a hard nut to crack to, to give you to really give a personalized experience tomorrow with all these global mm -hmm. and local players, I mean, for a market, it's it, it's it's hard to choose. I think. I think, and Justin, I think in your episode you had a nice. Uh, I think you you touched on some of that in in this notion of experiential tech, right? Happier customers and increased profitability because they have to go together. You, you don't just make customer happy; you got to be profitable as well as a as a brand and as an organization. That's right. Matt Kupaholtz spoke about exponential technologies and mm -hmm. the experiences that they bring. And, and, and yes, one of the, one of the things that, I mean, as we've spoke about, I, I think the third party data is, is, is a big issue. Being able to centralize a single view of customer, I think is also another big issue that cuts beyond marketing, goes into sales. And then it goes without saying, I think anytime you bring this up in a room of, marketing and CX leaders, you talk about talent and every head is nodding saying, yep, yes, that's me. I mean, the great resignation, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I, you know, not to just present problems, but one of the, one of the, the things that I predict is going to be best is comes from a, an idea that Adam Grant put forward in his book, The Originals. And he talks about, he did this incredible study around what provides longevity in brands and businesses. And would you believe that if you look further afield from, you know, the, the actual function that you're hiring for? So for example, if marketers were to say, well, what about if I take somebody from automotive or what about if I take an engineer or what about if I take a, yes, a data scientist or what if I take a, a marketer from fashion or so they go further afield. And I think for that to work, as long as the leader is 
very strong in data as the source of truth, then you can bring expertise and and viewpoints from various different fields further abroad into your marketing ecosystem and form squads or form um, strike teams that can look at data and use their intelligence and intuition to think, what should we try next? And the data will tell you whether it's working or not. And we have the benefit now of being able to rely more on artificial intelligence to do what marketers traditionally would have done using intuition. I'm not saying it's replaceable entirely, but I'm saying it's more enabled now to look beyond the field of marketing for talent. So, I mean, that's, that's, those are the three challenges that I see as the core. Excellent. I think now we can kind of, uh, you know, I think this is a great time to now to pivot to some of the interesting topics that well, we could potentially have a deeper dive to more in season three. I think that notion around, you know, data, but then also what's the the humanity, right? The empathy there. And I think uh, this in the CMO survey, there was a very surprising finding where brand building has now taken on a focus for marketers in her global survey. So building the brand in terms of more advertising, telling the narrative, getting uh, more connected uh, from a value, emotional capacity, uh, rather than just a, sort of a transactional. So, so that kind of supports a bit, Justin. So for season three, what are some of the, you know, one or two topics that uh, each of you think would be uh, an interesting one that we can do a deep dive into? I think for me, you know, you, you guys say in season two, we talked a lot about the value of data and we're becoming a decisioning um, co- economy and, and we need to focus on data. I think the customer is realizing the importance of data and is more and more going to see it in the future as a currency. So they'll expect when you ask them to share their data, there's going to be a discussion of uh, around fair value. Okay. Are you providing me fair value for the data I'm giving you because data is currency and I'm paying you with my data, so what do I get in return? So I think having having a, a discussion around fair value, what is fair value, and what can can you ask banking transaction data, and what what is the cost of asking banking transaction data to a customer to provide a better service? When is a customer willing mm-hmm. to give his data up for a certain service? I think that's a very interesting uh, topic or discussion just to understand. The, the synergies between those two, the customer and data. I 1000% agree, Stephen. Uh, I think this fair exchange of value will even get to the point where third parties are facilitating payments for the use of your personal data and you can sell it for a time. Um, that's that's a topic I'd like to explore. It's something that's mm-hmm. fascinated me. Another topic that's fascinating me at the moment is um, actually based on some research that Google has done called The Messy Middle. And if any of the listeners haven't seen that white paper, I certainly recommend you go and look at it because what it does is it challenges based on the data since the pandemic, how people are searching and purchasing. In fact, what we might have called the funnel previously, throw that out, the flywheel, throw that out. It's -hmm. called the messy middle. And interestingly, awareness plays a role but not the not as a phase it's called exposure whereas where all the activities that you're putting out in market of all kinds whether it be conversion campaigns or whether it be lead gen or nurturing campaigns all of it is exposure and all helps it and i think that's where brands are starting to or rather marketing teams are starting to focus on brand it's that idea of exposure yeah. that's something i would love to 
to explore further, I think. I think uh, for me, I, I, I definitely see, you know, that. And, and in addition to that, what I call pandemic era services. So things such as curbside pickup, virtual assistance, you know, digital delivery, you know, all those kinds of things will not just become the next customer experience normal, but those expectations are going to continue to rise into 2022 and, and beyond. Uh, so I think uh, we sometimes uh, we're also reading that some brands are sort of reverting back. Uh, for example, like airlines right now, some of those systems are kind of, you know, while they made a lot of inroads during the the uh, disruption, some of the bad habits are creeping back in in terms of wait times and, and more complex you know, processes. So, so that will be something that uh, that will be an interesting topic. Uh, the other one, as we all mentioned, that need for privacy or consent journeys uh, that that are designed with the customer in mind. That's going to heat up. So, again, going back to things like the data deprecation, the the going away of third party cookies, uh, the legal scrutiny, governance, all those kinds of things will have to be built into that messy middle, for sure. In terms of reimagining customer engagement and marketing. Well, I think this is a great spot to wrap up this discussion. And that's it for season two of the Reimagine Marketing Podcast. Now, if you enjoyed today's show, please search for the Reimagine Marketing Podcast on your favorite podcast platforms and subscribe to the series for show notes, hear previous episodes, and to catch season three content uh, when it drops in 2022. Also, you can head on over to sas.com slash podcast, all one word, to join in the conversation and discover more bonus content. So don't forget to join us when we return with more personalities, paradigms, and practices on the future of marketing and customer experience. Thank you all for listening. <laughs>